It is wonderful to see you on this Monday evening. We have a good crowd. I certainly appreciate your presence. It is a great encouragement to me. And just God bless you for being a part of this good gospel meeting. We have a great theme before us this week, what makes a great congregation. And yesterday we looked at three lessons dealing with this theme and doing our best to better ourselves as God's people. The first lesson yesterday morning was thankfulness, the expression of a great congregation. Then during the worship hour, we studied faithful attendance, the hub of a great congregation. And then after lunch yesterday at 1 o'clock, we had a great study on forgiveness, the heart of a great congregation. And I think all of us were encouraged and were blessed by these three studies together. I trust that the same will be true tonight. I know that I'm speaking to the cream of the crop, and I want all of you to know how much I appreciate your love for the Lord and His church. That doesn't mean that we can't improve ourselves. And I know you're here this evening because you are trying to improve yourself. You're trying to become more like God would have you to be. And I appreciate that so much. And as we do become better, then we help make our congregations great. And that's certainly our purpose. So what is our study tonight? Compassion, the ingredient of a great congregation. I want you to listen to this statement as we begin very carefully. We will never be bigger than our hearts. We could also say it this way. Mm -hmm. We will never be better than our hearts. The heart is so important. And we know that the Bible places a tremendous amount of emphasis on having the right kind of heart. If we are insensitive, uncaring, and self-centered, we will not be a minister like Christ. What kind of person was Christ? What kind of heart did he possess? What was the purpose of his life? He said of himself in Matthew 20 and verse 28, that he came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The word ransom means the necessary price for captives to be set free. And of course, his precious blood was the necessary price for us to be set free from sin. But I love those two words, minister and give. That's why Christ left heaven and came to this earth. He came to minister and he came to give. And as we follow his steps, that's our purpose also. 
We are here to minister and we are here to give. And so we must not be insensitive. We must not be uncaring. We must not be self-centered people. We must be like Christ. And Paul in Colossians 3 and verse 12 put it this way. He was talking about the things that we are to have in our lives as Christians. Those great characteristics that identify us as Christians in this world. And you know what he began with in that list? Colossians 3 and verse 12. A heart of compassion. Oh, that's a great statement, isn't it? That is such a great characteristic. A heart of compassion. Paul said, put on a heart of compassion. And when we do that, our lives will be full of service. A congregation that is filled with hearts of compassion will do great things for God. A compassionate heart cannot pass by on the other side like the priest and Levite did in Luke 10, verses 31 and 32. This is the reason that compassion is the ingredient of a great congregation. Tonight, I want us to begin with a story of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, verses 25 through 37. This is a story that must never be forgotten. It's one of the most famous stories in all the Bible. And that's not by accident. The reason it is one of the most famous stories in all the Bible is because of what it teaches us about the importance of compassion. And so I want to ask you to take your New Testaments and turn with me to Luke chapter 10. I want to remind you of some things that you already know, but in doing this, show you that compassion is the ingredient of a great congregation. Beginning with verse 25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up. Now this man was different than how we think of a lawyer today. The term lawyer in the New Testament was referring to a man who was an expert on the law on the law of God. And so here is a man who is supposed to be an expert on the teachings of God. Unfortunately, he's not sincere and he's testing Jesus. And so he stood up and tempted him or tested Jesus by saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength 
and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, and this is Jesus, of course, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now this was a 17 mile journey. It was a journey that was very difficult and treacherous. It was also a journey that was extremely dangerous and was noted to be occupied by robbers. It was not unusual for people to be robbed and people to be hurt, people to be beaten when they went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And we're going to see in this parable that that is exactly what happened. So Jesus said a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Did you notice anything missing from the priest's response? Verse 32, And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Again, did you notice anything missing from the Levite's response? Now someone might ask, well, was not a priest and Levite the same thing? Or what's the difference between these two men? Well, let me explain it very simply. A priest was a Levite. He was from the tribe of Levi. But not all Levites were priests. And so a priest had certain duties to perform, of course, very important duties. And Levites also had important duties to perform. And so these are two separate classes of people. One thing that's very important to realize is that these two classes of individuals were supposed to be the leaders among God's people. And so you have a priest and a Levite that see this man in great need and they passed by on the other side. There was something very important that was missing in their hearts. Now look at verse 33. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. This man that's been robbed and beaten and left half dead. And when he saw him, Look at this key statement. He had compassion on him. 
three different men. Two supposedly religious leaders among God's people. But nothing is said about them having a heart of compassion. As a matter of fact, their actions show that they did not have hearts of compassion. But this Samaritan was totally and completely different. He had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds and pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an end and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, two denarii. And if you'll remember yesterday from our study of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18, we said that a denarii was a day's wages. And so this good Samaritan took out two days wages and gave to the keeper of the inn. He took out two pence, gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. And then Jesus asked, Which thou of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? That's really an easy question to answer, isn't it? Even this old insincere lawyer knew the answer to that question. And he wasn't going to show himself to be a fool in the sight of Jesus. And so the lawyer said to Jesus in verse 37, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Are those not great words? Go and do thou likewise. That's exactly what we're supposed to do in the church today. That's the reason compassion is the ingredient of a great congregation. Think about these facts in review of our story. The missing ingredient in the hearts of the priest and Levite was compassion. The good Samaritan was different. He had a heart of compassion. Those expected to minister did nothing. How many do we have in the church today that are doing nothing because they do not have a heart of compassion? The compassionate heart of the half-breed Jew could not pass by on the other side and leave a man who needed help. That's what the church is all about. The church is about ministry and giving. Going about doing good. Using our 
talents for Jesus Christ, being touched every day by the needs of other people, and never, never passing by on the other side. As we continue our lesson tonight, I want us to look at those to whom we are to have compassion. And I want to begin with the lost. Those that are lost in sin. Because they do not have Christ. Because they have never obeyed the gospel. Because they are headed to hell for eternity. We must have compassion on the lost. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. And notice carefully, beginning with verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, listen, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And he came to be their shepherd. And when he saw these people in their tragic condition, it tore his heart out. Why? Because Jesus had a heart of compassion. And so he was moved with compassion on them. And then notice in verses 37 and 38, what he said to his disciples. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. There are only a few that are being moved with compassion. Look at what Jesus is saying. There are only a few being touched by the lost condition of humanity. Are we concerned to the point about lost members of our family? about our friends and our neighbors, people we work with, people we go to school with, people that we come in contact with on a daily basis. Are we moved with compassion? Are our hearts stirred? Are we compelled to use our abilities to do everything we can 
to help one of those individuals or those individuals to see their necessity of being saved from sin. In Acts 17, Paul on his second missionary journey took the gospel first of all to the city of Thessalonica. And as the enemies of Paul and Silas spoke of the work that they were doing and the results of it, they paid them a great compliment. They didn't mean it as a compliment. But this is one of the greatest statements in all the Bible about evangelism, about seeking the lost. You know what they said? These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Look at the compassion of Paul and Silas. Look at how their hearts were stirred within them over the lost condition of the people of Thessalonica. And they were turning the world upside down by teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so they established the church at Thessalonica. Oh yes, they were run out of town by the enemies of Christ. But they just kept preaching. They just kept going. They just kept caring. They just kept being moved with compassion on the lost and compelled to do everything they could to help them to be saved. I want you to look also in Acts 17, this time verse 16, and notice what happened to Paul at Athens. Now while Paul waited for them, he's waiting for Timothy and Silas, according to verse 15. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. It tore his heart out when he saw those people worshiping idols instead of the living God. He was moved with compassion upon them and as a result, he preached that great sermon in Athens, Greece and began the church there as well on his second missionary journey. Yes, we are to have compassion on the lost. We see it with Jesus. We see it with Paul. We see it with Silas. We see it with our brethren in the first century. Acts 80 verse 4 says, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. 
They had to flee Jerusalem. The persecution was so severe. But look at the hearts of compassion on the loss that they possessed. And they went everywhere preaching the Word. And Paul could say, when he wrote the book of Colossians, one of the prison epistles, Colossians 1 and verse 23, that the gospel had been preached to every creature under heaven. Did you know that the first century church carried out the Great Commission in their day in a period of only about 29 years? From 33 A.D. when the church began in Jerusalem to when Paul wrote the Colossian letter in 62 A.D. That is 29 years. You know why they did that? It's because they had hearts of compassion. They could not sit by and see other people lost and going to hell. Their hearts of compassion were moved to teach the gospel and help those lost souls in every way that they could. And brethren, nothing has changed today. The laborers are still few. And Jesus is still pleading for us to pray for laborers. And that's what we should be doing, beginning with ourselves. And we should be praying for our congregations and our children and our grandchildren to have hearts of compassion and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost. Yes, those are the ones that we are to have compassion on. We are also to have compassion on those in need. Turn with me to Matthew 25. Another passage of Scripture that you are very familiar with. This is the great judgment scene. And this judgment scene is based on being moved with compassion toward the needs of others. Listen as we begin with verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations, no one will be left out. And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand. That's where we all want to be at the judgment day. But the goats on the left, that's where no one wants to be. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Why? For I was in hungry, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. 
Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungry and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Do we understand that when we minister to others, we are ministering to Christ? Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed. I don't want to hear this, and I know you don't either. Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was in hungry, and he gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and he gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and he took me not in, naked, and he clothed me not, sick and in prison, and he visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hungry or thirst? or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee. Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. Folks, there are people in the church today just like the priest and the Levite. That's sad. That's tragic. We must not be with that group. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. It's very simple. Those who have hearts of compassion Take care and minister to the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, sick, the prisoner, and everyone that is in need. Yes, we're to have compassion on those in need. We're also to have compassion on the bereaved. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. And weep with them that weep. Paul said in Romans 12 and verse 15. We read in Hebrews 13 and verse 3. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them. And them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. In the same body. What are we being told? Put yourself in the place of other people. Feel with them. Have compassion on them. And when they weep and when they hurt and when they suffer, you weep and you hurt and you suffer with them. And you help bear their burdens. You show them how much you love them. Because you have a heart of compassion. 
those on whom we are to have compassion, the orphans and widows. James 1.27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit, and this carries with it the idea of meeting their needs, being compassionate toward them, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. How many sermons have we heard about Dorcas? Bill, I bet you love to preach about Dorcas. I do. I do too. Oh, she was such a great woman. She was full of good works and alms deeds, money or goods given to the poor in charity. This woman truly had a heart of compassion. She became ill and she died, didn't she? Do you remember that there was a group that was standing by after her death and were weeping when Peter arrived? Who were those in that group? We all know the answer to that. Widows. And what did they show Peter? The coats and garments that Dorcas had made for them while she was still with them. What was she doing? She was ministering and she was giving. Because she had a heart of compassion. And when she passed away, it literally tore out those hearts of those precious widows. Tears were running down their cheeks in sadness because this great woman was gone. And you know when Peter raised her from the dead... You know who he took her to first? The widows. And oh, how happy they must have been. Those tears turned to smiles. Those tears turned to great joy. Because this great woman was with them again. And they knew how much she loved them. They knew about her heart of compassion. Those on whom we're to have compassion, the elderly. Psalm 71 is a unique psalm. The psalmist is praying to God for God to not forsake him in his old age. Now I think that's the desire of every one of us, right? To not be forsaken by God or others in our old age. First of all, 
We know that God's not going to forsake us in our old age. But, sadly, we don't necessarily know about others. I've seen it happen, haven't you? I've seen fathers and mothers and grandmothers and grandfathers grow old and them be neglected by their children and grandchildren. And in this chapter, specifically verse 9, the psalmist says to God, Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. As we grow older and are not able to take care of ourselves, we not only need God to take care of us, but we also need a family and our brothers and sisters in Christ to take care of us. And those who have hearts of compassion do that. They don't forget about their parents and their grandparents. They don't forget to show respect to those that are older in years. They minister and they give because they have a heart of compassion. We must reevaluate ourselves in the area of compassion. We really need to do this in the church today because we live in an uncompassionate society. And it affects us whether we want to admit it or not. Remember, Jesus was moved with compassion. Matthew 9 and verse 36. And we must be like Him. The church is not growing because of a lack of compassion. This is the reason. Compassion is the ingredient of a great congregation. I challenge you tonight to go home and pray about your compassion. I challenge you tonight to go home and ask God to help you make sure that you have a heart of compassion. And I ask you to use that heart of compassion for the glory of God and to make this congregation a great congregation in God's sight. If you're not a Christian tonight, you're lost. Jesus died on the cross for you because of His heart of compassion towards you. He wants you to be saved. And He tells you in His Word that you need to repent of your sins and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Acts 2 and verse 38. Or it may be 
that you've been like that priest and Levite. That heart of compassion has been missing. And your life has not been filled with good works like Dorcas. You've been passing by on the other side. It's time to change. It's time to have a heart of compassion. It's time to do great things for God. It's time to minister and give. And if that's your situation as a member of the church, you need to repent of that. And you need to come back and get busy with a heart of compassion. It's my privilege tonight to extend the Lord's invitation. If you need to respond, please do as we stand and say.